If your relationship is making you crazy, whether romantic, family, or friend, the Mean Workbook will help you pinpoint the exact behavior that's causing you to pull your hair out. Visit loveandabuse.com. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old, rehashed, personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to, think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. My name is Paul Coliani and this is the show where I help you tackle life's toughest challenges. I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, you know, at the time of this recording, it is uh, November November 30th, so I'm recording it on Friday. You're hearing it on Sunday if you're a loyal subscriber and tune in the day it comes out. And uh, I'm not saying that anyone else is not a loyal subscriber. I'm saying that if you want to be the first in line, <laughs> then you tune in when it comes out. And um, the reason I'm telling you it's November 30th right now is because the holidays are here, at least for most of the world or a good part of the world. And I'm going to assume a good part of the listeners of this show uh, celebrate some form of holiday at this time of year. And if you don't, that's fine too. But I guarantee you that there's a taste of it somewhere near you. Whether you're, when you're shopping, your friends, your family, holidays are here. Now, the holidays aren't necessarily what I'm here to talk about today. I'm here to talk about what happens during the holidays typically, which is connecting with family and friends. Sometimes connecting with family and friends can be wondrous, can be joyous, can be uh, a delightful thing. And then sometimes it can be a gut-wrenching nightmare. <laughs> Hopefully it's never that bad. Uh, but, you know, you have some family, typically family. This is where it happens. Uh, friends don't usually do this to us. But typically family, certain members of our family will make us not want to be somewhere where they're at, where they are. And so we might go and we might enjoy ourselves, but we try to avoid that family family member or try to not talk to them uh, or whatever. We don't go at all because they're going to be there. I know that, um, you know, if my stepfather was going to show up at a function, I might think twice about going. And at the same time, the rest of my family would be there. So, you know, is that really something I would do? Probably not. I would probably show up. But yeah, I just don't want to deal with that. I think you know what I mean. You don't want to deal with this person or these people sometimes. So we might make different decisions to do something like that. We, we might not go to that dinner. We might not go to that party knowing that they are going to be there. And when we have someone else dictating our behavior, our choices in our life, we feel restricted. We feel limited. We feel like almost if we're con being controlled by them. And that is an important aspect 
to understand what's happening in your life when there's someone that you may consider toxic or unhealthy or you just don't want to be around them. And when we look at that person as controlling our choices, it gives us a little different perspective, at least for me. I look at my stepfather and I think, oh, he's going to be there. So I'm not going to go. What does that mean? That means he is controlling my path, my choices, my decisions. He doesn't have control over that at all, yet I am giving him my power. I am putting my destiny in his hands. That's an over-exaggeration, I know. But I am putting the path that I am about to take in his hands. So what I choose next will be dictated by his presence. I mean, imagine if that was how it was with everything we did. There probably is somebody out there listening right now thinking, well, yeah, if so-and-so shows up there, I'm not going. I don't, I don't want anything to do with that person. Or if so-and-so shows up, I won't talk to them at all, which is you know, another issue we'll talk about. Uh, if I have a feeling that that person will be there or I heard that person will be there, I won't go. So we give our power to these people that we choose not to be around and it limits us now it doesn't limit us if we're happier not going but imagine 98 percent of the people you love are there but that two percenter comes in that person that you don't want to deal with that you don't want to see and ruins the mood for you so you instead decide to stay away from that 98 percent of the people that you love If you do that over and over again, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up to be isolated from those you love most just because that one person's there. I'm not saying that you should go. I'm not saying that you should associate and socialize with this person. But I am saying I want you to have a different perspective. And I'm thinking of this now in real time where if I I knew my stepfather was going to be at a family function and I love my family, would I show up? Now, what can happen is when that person is in that, in that function or with my family, it can change the dynamic of the family. It can change how they respond to each other, how they act in front of this person. And that can be disturbing as well. Disturbing is not, maybe not the right word, but it can be a different uh, party or a different get-together, a different event. And when it's a different event, because of that one person, I look at that as the totality of everyone giving up their power. Imagine that. It's like it sucks the room dry of everyone's power, and that one person that's sitting there has it all. And this person can be toxic, and no one will say anything. Or maybe somebody will say anything, and it causes a fight depending on how they show up in everyone's lives. But this is what happens in my family, is that this one person, my stepfather, shows up at a family function, and everyone acts a little differently around him. It's gotten better, and it's gotten worse, because he shows up uninvited, and nobody knows what to say or do, because he just walks in, and it's very intrusive. So now you have this weird energy, because he wasn't supposed to be there in the first place, so now... Here I am coming over, or here my mom is coming over, or somebody else, and they find out that he's there suddenly, and it just changes their mood, and now we can't be as authentic as we want to be, 
And, and I'm going to throw this in and it's going to sound very gossipy. <laughs> we can't talk about that person. <laughs> we can't talk about that person. We can't talk about my stepfather when he's there. Whereas if he wasn't there, he could come up. Not saying that we gossip all the time, but it can be a, a topic of conversation. If he's not there, he can be a topic of conversation. And it's not that we always talk about him in a mean way. It's just that now we can't talk about him. So that does sound gossipy. That sounds, you know, a little underhanded, like you're talking about him behind his back. But some family members need to vent. <laughs> some family members need to speak up, need to say things, and they won't be able to do it. So they feel stifled in that way, too. That's not really necessarily a lesson that I would like to teach on this show. I'm not saying that you should do that. It's just that's how my family has come to be because this toxic element has been in it for so long. So the concept of today's episode is when you are around toxic people like this, especially the holidays or family functions, um, how are you supposed to show up? Do you give away your power? Is that the right thing to do? What is the right thing to do? What am I supposed to do? I don't have all the answers to that because what I've learned is that there are some people in our life that we want to keep. Like, I want to keep my mom in my life, and I want to keep my sister and my brother. I want to keep all these people in my life, but I don't want to keep that person in my life. Yet that person keeps showing up at the functions that my sisters and my brothers and my mom happen to be at. So what do I do now? So this is where personal growth comes in. This is where personal processing and healing and showing up in a way that makes you feel good about yourself and doesn't give away your power. I think as long as you adopt this philosophy that when I'm around this person, I refuse to give up my power, it makes you show up differently. It's not easy. In fact, a lot of people that we've known in our life, the toxic ones especially, are very good at taking that power away. And just so I can make it clear, I look at power or personal power as something that makes you feel good about yourself. It's something that you feel good showing up authentically. And when someone takes away your power, you don't feel good showing up authentically. You feel inauthentic. You feel like you have to fake it. You feel like you have to show up as something else just to get through the next hour or two or all night or week or whatever or even months or years, depending on if you live with this person. How long can you go not showing up as yourself because you live with this person? I know there are people listening right now that are living with someone that they feel they cannot show up as themselves because there's a toxic element in the room. And if they show up as themselves, it feels very exposed, very vulnerable, and will probably be uh, hurt in some way. I call that relationship radiation, where there's something toxic about the person, and being around them burns you. And it burns so much that you don't want to be vulnerable with them. You don't want to show them your emotional side, or at least a lot of it. You don't want to show up without your emotional armor, your emotional... Let me see, I'll make up a new term here. <laughs> your emotional uh, hazmat suit. <laughs> you don't want to expose yourself to them. 
So what you do is you zip up your suit, your emotional hazmat suit, so that they can't penetrate that, so that the radiation doesn't come in. And uh, when you do that, then at least you have some level of protection around them. And you get to keep more of your power, hopefully. But what happens is you don't really get to keep your power because you don't get to show up as yourself. You don't get to show up in your own clothes, so to speak, using these metaphors. You don't get to show up in the way you feel most comfortable, as if you were around your best friend, someone that you trust implicitly and without question so that you could be yourself. I mean, that's the best feeling in the world when you can be with someone where you show up as yourself and you're fully accepted, as opposed to showing up to someone who's toxic and you feel limited, restricted, and powerless or less power and uh, can't get away from them. So we have some stuff to talk about today. Uh, it's a good time to talk about during the holidays, uh, if you're listening to this in November, December. And if not, it's always a topic of conversation uh, because throughout the year, you're going to meet these people. And again, like I said, I don't have all the answers, but I want to help develop a, a solid foundation in you so that when you're around these people, you don't lose you. You don't give up you. You might have to act a little differently. You might have to say things in a different way around these people because if you say this in this way, it might tear up the room. They might get angry and yell or they may show up in a way that you definitely don't want to experience. So you will probably have to make compromises about uh, of who you are. You will probably not be able to show up fully vulnerable because of this one person or two people or several people, you will probably have to give up a little of your power, a little part of yourself so that you can make it through the conversation, through the evening, through the week, through the months, hopefully not the years. Sometimes we are with people that maybe we should not be with and that's a different topic for a different day. I know I've talked about that many times, but let's talk about what we have to do when we're around these people so that we can have at least a somewhat good time without them bothering us so much. We'll be right back after this. Right, it's a good time to tell you about the mean workbook i usually talk about it at the end of the show but i'm going to just throw it in the middle here middle of the show real quick uh just to let you know that you know when you are dealing with toxic people just like i talked about in the first segment sometimes there are behaviors that you can't figure out exactly what they're doing that causes you to feel so crazy or pull your hair out you don't know exactly what they're doing that makes you feel like you feel. I mean, that's the recipe for crazy making is that somebody's doing something to you that makes you crazy and you can't figure out what they're doing. So you pull your hair out and then you start not trusting your own decisions and you don't trust in yourself. And that causes you to 
lose forward momentum in your life and stop trusting your instincts and think that maybe they're right about you. I hear that all the time. I hear from a lot of people that say, maybe this person is right about me. Maybe I am too sensitive. Maybe I am getting it wrong. Maybe I don't see the logical side of this. I hear that so often. And then I hear what they're going through, what that other person said to them. And I said, okay, wait, 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 wait. What's happening here is that he or she is doing this behavior and justifying that behavior by telling you you're too sensitive instead of giving you an opportunity to be yourself, express yourself in your way. They're just being dominating and intimidating. I've seen that over and over again. And it bugs me. It bugs me that that some people have gone into a relationship feeling a certain way, feeling good, feeling good about themselves, feeling good about their decisions, about um, taking the next step in their life. And then when they're with this person, that slowly dissolves and they lose trust in themselves and they start to become a shell of who they used to be. And I don't want that to happen to you. So if you have any type of relationship, family or friend that you feel like that might be happening to you, it might help you to do the uh, 200 point assessment in the mean workbook. Visit loveandabuse.com. Check out the description on that page. See if that workbook will help you. It's written for romantic relationships, but I've had people buy it for friendships and family and they learned a lot. They were able to pinpoint exactly what was happening in their life and their relationship so that they can stop pulling their hair out so they can understand exactly what they need to do so they don't fall under that emotional abuse trap. I don't want you to fall into that trap. Visit loveandabuse.com and check out the mean workbook and see if it's right for you. Welcome back. I would love for you to keep your power. I would really love for you to keep your power no matter what. It's not always possible. In the last segment, I said, you know, somebody can take away our power. And I just want to maybe add to that, that it's not necessarily them taking it. It's us giving it. It's when you allow someone to get the better of you. It's when you allow someone to cross your boundaries and violate your values. And it's not necessarily you allowing them to do it. It's just that they do it and you don't do anything about it. Or what you do about it doesn't work. And then you still feel like you lost. And I think the goal is to keep our power so that we can be happy, so that we can go through life with good relationships and hang around good people that support us, that care for us, that like us, that love us, so that we can enjoy life and uh, be somewhat fulfilled. So I wrote down a bunch of notes on possibly effective ways to deal with people that might be toxic, might be hard to deal with, might be narcissistic, might be sociopathic or antisocial. Um, not antisocial, but antisocial personality disorder, which is sociopathic, uh, might be toxic in some way that makes your life miserable when you're around them. And these are the types of people that we usually don't like to be around. These are the types of people that when, when we show up, we don't show up as us because now we're around them and they've taken some of our power or we've given it. And because we've given it, we 
aren't able to show up as vulnerable and comfortable in our own skin. Because if we show up in our own skin, they could do something that makes us feel bad. And now we're already exposed and now we feel even worse. They could do something that makes us feel bad and we don't know what to do about it because we're not prepared. It's easier when you're prepared. This is why a lot of people go through life with their defenses up. It's a lot easier to deal with toxic people when you're prepared. If you wear your emotional hazmat suit, then you never have to travel too far to get the tools you need to protect yourself because you're, you're wearing it already. But if you show up without any protection and someone hurts you at that point, that's when we can feel really hurt because we're just thrown so off guard. And that's the point where we usually develop patterns and behaviors that cause us to show up in certain ways with certain people. That's the defensive stance that we have around certain people. When I was around my stepfather, my defensive stance was just not to be angry around him. If I showed any anger, especially when he was drinking, well, mainly when he was drinking, then I would fear his reaction. So I learned to suppress that anger. And that was my emotional radiation suit. I did not want to get a hurt from him. I didn't want to find out what would happen if I was angry around him. So I suppressed that most of my life. And uh, to heal from that takes a lot of deep diving, a lot of introspection and reflection and personal growth and healing that um, sometimes people don't do. And they just keep their defenses up forever. And when we keep our defenses up, we can't have close relationships with other people that are healthy for us. And sometimes we ruin good relationships with people that are healthy for us. So this is why it's important to understand that um, when you give away your power, you also tend to put up your defensive walls. And these defensive walls can cause many relationships in your life to fail. They can keep you from being who you want to be. And some of the best relationships develop when you can be everything that you want to be, or at least as much as you can be. You can be vulnerable. You can be exposed. You can be revealed to people that you love and trust, and they let you be that way. They don't judge you. They accept you. They support you. I love those types of relationships. So I've got a few notes here that I'm going to go over, and that has to do with communicating with these toxic people and being around these toxic people. What can you do? This is not all inclusive. There's a lot of ways to communicate with these types of people so that you get to keep your head on straight and you don't cause a lot, uh, too much trouble, too much conflict. And um, there's also a lot of ways to honor yourself where you might cause trouble and it could cause a lot of conflict that you don't want to deal with. So I'm going to go over the ones that, um, again, help you keep your power. These may not work for everyone and definitely don't do it with dangerous people. That's always my disclaimer. If these people are physically aggressive or violent or dangerous, you probably just want to do your best to avoid any conflict with these people so that uh, you don't get into that situation. And hopefully you don't have to deal with these people too much and you can get away from them. But if you can't, then again, those types of uh, highly aggressive people you just want to be careful with. And to uh, get this segment started, I'm going to read you an email that I received that really inspired this entire episode. Uh, and that is from someone I'm going to call Joe. Type his name here, Joe. Joe says, I jumped into an episode that's relevant to an issue that's on my mind from June of 2017 called Rekindling with Toxic Family. 
Admitting that I'm still halfway through it, but I had to ask, you talk about showing up, being who I am, saying I want to keep this relationship going, but or if you can accept who I am now. I love that advice. But what if I really don't want the relationship? What if I see no benefit in it? But shutting it down would hurt the other side badly. And he's speaking about his parents. Should I not be selfish and at least tell them the issues I have with them? Even that I drop the responsibility for fixing things and put it on them as I don't see the need to invest? Or do I have to choose? Do I have to be considerate to really be and act as such and join them on this journey? Or do I choose to be 100% selfish? I'm very happy with my life right now and I feel like the relationship with them is always pulling me back into dark places. For me, it's most easy to simply have almost no contact. For them, it's very hard. Thank you. I hope to hear more about this issue in future episodes. Well, Joe, you are hearing about this issue or all these issues you're talking about in this episode. These are great questions. These are, I think, the questions that we all struggle with because we all know someone or someone's out there that we want to know how to get along with or not or separate from or at least be amicable with or something so that they don't become too big of thorns in our sides. We don't want to carry the burden of these people in our life. We just want to get along with our own life and enjoy our time on this planet while we have it. But some people make it harder. So I'm going to go over your questions and go over my notes at the same time here. Uh, but one thing I want to address here is you asked, you know, what if I really don't want the relationship? That's great. If you don't want the relationship, that's a simple one for me. It may not be for you. It may not be for a lot of people. But for me, when you don't want the relationship, you honor yourself and you go toward that. Now, that's not the simple answer I'm going to leave you with. But I think you know this already uh, because you follow it up by saying, but shutting it down would hurt them, my parents. And that's what's important. That's what we're going to go over. Because yes, you can honor yourself shut down your relationship, and other people will be hurt by it. In a nutshell, if you've been listening to this show, you honor yourself. They honor you honoring yourself. It's a healthy thing. If you say, hey, you're, it hurts to be in this relationship with you, so I need to get out of it, they should love you enough to honor that. But it doesn't always work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way most of the time. So I would love to go over this topic today. Let's do that. One of the first things that I think you need to ask yourself in a relationship like this is, do I want this relationship? That's a great question. Simple. Do I want this relationship? Okay, uh, with Joe, it's mom and dad. Do I want this relationship with my mom and dad? Joe might say, well, I would love to have a relationship with them, but it's just so toxic. I, they always pull me into this dark place. So uh, Joe might say, it might not be worth it if I keep getting pulled into this dark place. I might want a relationship with a healthy mom and dad, but I can't get it with this. So this is where you have to be really honest with yourself. Will I get the relationship I want from this person or these people? Just ask yourself that. Do I really want this relationship? And you can actually ask this in a different way. Do I want a relationship with people that treat me this way? And that's a really good question because your answer will probably be no. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but when you ask that question, then you have a more clear answer. So just, you know, note these answers. 
another question you can ask yourself is, do I need, do I absolutely need this relationship? So this is another question that you have to assess all the variables here. And when you answer the question, don't base your answer on how they'll feel or if they need the relationship with you or not. Base it on how you feel. So this is where instead of projecting yourself outward into the universe and being empathetic with the people that you affect, you suck that empathy back in and apply it to yourself. And then you ask, do I absolutely need this relationship? Do I have to have it? And how you answer that will be very dependent on what you do in your life, how they're connected to you, you know, are there legal binding contracts? Is this the only person that did something for you 20 years ago and you're still grateful for it, but they're toxic? I don't know what your answer will be, but I think that's a good question. Do I absolutely need it? Just like when I look at my stepfather, do I absolutely need that relationship? No. Do I have another father figure in my life? No. Do I want that father figure in my life? No. <laughs> so I have all of these questions that I can answer pretty quickly, um, even though I'm missing a really solid family or blood father figure in my life. Even though I, I might have to accept some loss, it's because the cons outweigh the pros, so I'm willing to accept that loss. I make it sound very practical and easy. It's not, but I have to look at the logic here, the rationality here, to get to, to some very maybe hard-to-hear truths or hard-to-think-about truths, just to understand that where I need to be in my life so that I can pull out a lot of the negative people in my life. Because this is what happens. As you pull out more and more negative people, your life becomes more fulfilling. Yes, even if it means you're more and more alone. That doesn't resonate true with everyone. I get it. I know what it feels like. But my personal opinion is that I'd rather be alone than with toxic people. Because it's a lot easier to make friends doing the things that I like to do in life and meeting people that are also doing those things in life and connecting at some level than having to worry about going over someone's house that I don't that I don't want to see. Again, there's some pros and cons here, and you just have to balance things as you go along. But that's the first thing, is that you ask yourself, do I want this relationship, and do I absolutely need it? Now, uh, I told you about my stepfather. I had another family member that I decided to honor myself with, knowing they would probably never want to talk to me again. And this person, I didn't necessarily want to lose as a family member, but I also knew that this person would probably never talk to me again. But I did not want to compromise myself with this person either because there was a situation that came up that I chose to honor myself in because I didn't want it to be the status quo going forward. Because I saw this family member affecting other family members and I didn't want to get involved in the cycle of dysfunction there, so I had to stop that cycle of dysfunction when it came to me. I don't want to describe what it was and all that, but just know that if you know a behavior that you don't want in your life, it's best to cut it off before it starts instead of just acquiescing and allowing that behavior from someone else into your life. Because when you allow it once, it's almost like the door is open forever and it's even harder to stop it then. This is why it's so important that when you feel like you need to protect yourself somewhere in your life with someone that might be toxic, that you do it as soon as possible and you don't let it drag on and on and on. And uh, referring back to Joe's email, when you know you don't need the relationship, which it sounds like you don't, 
put the focus back on what is best for you, not for them. Because when you put it on what it's best for you, people who love you want what's best for you too. So this is why I like doing that. What is best for me? People who love me are going to accept that I'm doing something that I believe is best for me. And that will feel supportive. And I guarantee you, when people support you doing what's best for you, you're probably going to want them in your life anyway. The people who don't support you doing what's best for you, you probably don't want them in your life. So this is why this formula works. When someone supports you honoring yourself and doing what's best for you, you typically like to have them in your life. They don't, they're no longer toxic. This is why it's important for you to do what's best for you, to give everyone else an opportunity to support you doing what's best for you. Then it really highlights who supports you in your life. Now, what happens when you do need the relationship? Let's just say that um, there's other connections involved, like kids or work or the in-laws or whatever. This is where you have to accept two things. One is letting go of the desire to win or be right around them. I mean, think about that. You have to accept that this person's in your life. You, there's nothing you can do about it. So what do you do? You let go of your desire to win or be right around them. That's a, a small sacrifice or a big one. But by doing that, you're accepting that you have no choice to be around these people and they're never going to change. Which leads to the second thing you have to accept is that you'll let go that you'll ever find peace or happiness around them. So you accept the idea of letting go the desire to win or be right around them. And you also let go that you'll ever find peace or happiness when you're near or around them. And in today's email, Joe doesn't want to hurt his parents. So in turn, what he's saying is that by keeping the relationship, he's telling me that it's okay for his parents to hurt him. So this is why it's vital to answer that question. Do I absolutely need these people in my life? And also to understand that people who love you will support you and your path. And if you need to honor yourself and stay away from those people, they'll honor you honoring that path. So if you need to keep the person in your life, if you let go of the desire to win or be right around them, and you let go that you'll ever find peace or happiness around them, then you can keep them in your life because it's not a struggle anymore. Once you take out the struggle, the resistance of wanting them to be different, you take out the struggle that you're having that they aren't the person that you want and that they'll never change, then at least you won't expect anything else from them. And having no expectations is freeing having or having different expectations is freeing because you're not looking for something that's not there important stuff all right another way to respond or communicate to toxic people is asking them if they can accept you regardless of your disagreements i mean their answer will pretty much sum up what you'll be facing from that point on for example uh, joe asking his mom and dad if they'll accept him the way he is they may disagree with a lot of stuff that he does but do they accept him the way he is, his choices in life, his beliefs, his values? If Joe asks him that and he gets a no, this tells him where he stands. This tells him that he doesn't have to waste any more time trying to convince them to see him differently. I don't want you to waste any time trying to convince someone else to see you in a different way, especially after they've said no that they won't accept you. I mean, that may not be the wording you use, but I like to use that wording. Will you just accept my lifestyle or my choices, my decisions? Will you at least accept that this is what I choose? And if they say, no, we can't do it, 
then I don't have to convince them to see thing, anything differently. That is who they are, and that's who they will be from that point on. Good to remember. And what I love about this is by asking them this direct question, it actually forces them to come to terms with their own perspective and share it with you so that they have no choice but to speak it out loud. When someone does that, when someone tells their truth, that inner truth out loud, it forces them to face themselves. It's like uh, Facebook and other social media. We can show up as anyone we want. So our online persona is probably different than our offline persona, our real personality. But what happens when we are face-to-face -face with someone and they witness who we really are, not our Facebook profile? They see more of us than maybe we wanted to show. And whatever exterior that we created becomes transparent. And now not only will they see us, but we can't hide behind what we put out there anymore. And when that happens, when we are revealed, we get the opportunity to reevaluate our position and decide if our attachment to being right is really as important as we once thought. And what I mean by that is, for example, with uh, Joe's parents, if they said, no, we, we can't accept your choices, we can't accept what you're doing because maybe they think they know better or something, then he gives them an opportunity to hear themselves say it and when they hear themselves say something, they can reevaluate it as it comes out of their mind and their mouth and uh, decide if their attachment to that position is really as important as they once thought. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I, I've done this myself, where I will believe something and I will be gung-ho about that something, that belief or that value, and then I'll actually have to talk about it with someone and explain all the reasons I believe it. And as we talk about it, as it comes out of my mouth, I realize, oh, I, I believe it because of that. My dad told me that when I was 14, and I've been holding on to that belief ever since. That's not a very strong belief. That's just something that someone passed down to me. Why do I believe that? And so I start questioning myself because I finally talked about it. I finally explored it a little bit. And a lot of us like to hold on to that attachment of what we've believed all our lives without exploring it any further. We just keep that box closed. So asking this question, do you accept my choices? Will you accept the person I am? It forces them to open this box they've held closed for so long and gives them an opportunity to evaluate or reevaluate how they feel about it. Because they may say, no, we, we can't accept it. You're doing all the wrong things. And then when they hear themselves say that, they may think, wow, that sounds kind of mean. Do I really mean that? I mean, hopefully they're that type of people where they question and re-question their beliefs. I like to do that myself. I like to question, why do I believe that? Is that still a good belief to have? Does that belief serve me? Does that belief show other people love and compassion and support? Hopefully people like that will come to that space. Some, some won't. And we'll just have to deal with it as that comes. But that's why I like to ask that question. Number three, when you're dealing with uh, toxic people and being around them, one of the things that you need to do is remember to keep redirecting the person to your feelings. Let's just say that you do want to let the other person know how they're making you feel, but um, doing so in the past has always led to arguments. Like uh, someone says, you know, I can't believe you married that person. That person's no good for you. And you said something like, well, he's a good man or she's a good woman. And you spend time defending yourself. 
the more time you spend defending yourself with a toxic person, the more time you waste. I don't believe it's productive at all to defend yourself with people that put you on the defense, that put you in that space, because that's exactly what they're looking for. That is their fuel. And when you can step out of defending yourself and instead transform your responses and reactions to a place of redirecting their perception to your feelings, then you might get somewhere. You might. I'm not saying you will, but you might. What you want to do is make them realize the pain that you're feeling and see what they do with it. So instead of defending yourself, make them realize the pain. And there's a few ways to do this. You can ask, uh, did you questions like, did you mean to hurt my feelings by saying that? That sounds a little sarcastic. That sounds a little passive aggressive and it could lead to some conflict. You know, hearing myself say it does make it sound like it could lead to conflict, but it might be a good question. Did you mean to hurt my feelings by saying that? Did you disrespect me on purpose? Did you mean to disrespect me? Did you know that what you said made me feel like you hate me? You know, these questions, they could rub someone the wrong way, but what you're doing is you're redirecting the focus back on your feelings. So when they say, I can't believe you married that person, did you mean to hurt my feelings just then? And see what they say. It may lead to a, a productive conversation or may not. But that's just one little component of uh, what I'm going over here. Another uh, set of questions you can ask are, uh, does it matter questions? Like, does it matter to you if I'm hurt by what you're saying? Does it matter to you that you hurt my feelings every time you do that? Does my happiness matter to you? See what I'm doing? I'm redirecting everything back to the way I feel just to highlight to them what they're doing. Because we don't often do that. What we often do is tell them uh, what they said is wrong or what they said is mean. Or we spend time defending our actions, our decisions, our behavior. We have to step out of being defensive and make them see exactly what they're doing. Make them see the heart of the matter here, which is your heart. And ask them these questions. Does it matter to you that you hurt my feelings every time you do that? There's also the uh, do you care questions. Do you care that I waited all night for you to pick me up? I mean, you can even follow it up. Does that even matter to you? Do you even care that I'm afraid of you? Does that matter to you? Did you know I felt that way? And bringing it all back to me to find out if they have any investment in my feelings. I want to know. I want to know if they have an investment in my feelings. Again, you can't do this with everyone, but when I feel my power being taken away, is when I get really defensive and I start fighting back. When I know I want to keep my power, I want to redirect their perception, their focus back on my feelings to find out where they are. I want to find out if they know they're doing it on purpose. Because if they are intentionally trying to hurt me, that tells me what I have to deal with every time. And it gives me a truth that I can carry with me, knowing that I will have to deal with this every time I'm around this person and I shouldn't expect anything less. Doesn't make it easier, but it does help me understand that I won't be able to do anything to change their mind. And again, it empowers them to rethink about what they're doing. They may say, oh, I didn't even realize I was hurting you. That would be the ultimate outcome. That would be great. 
but it may or may not happen. Then finally, you ask the then why questions. Like, um, did you disrespect me on purpose? Did you mean to? And then when they say, well, yeah, I did disrespect you, then you want to ask why. Why did you do that? Why do you want to disrespect me? Now, a really toxic person, really manipulative person, is going to have a, a logical sounding answer. Well, because you're always late and you say you're never going to be late, and that's just disrespectful to me. They're going to turn it back. Now, that might lead to a good conversation. Because if they turn it back and point the blame at you again, they're trying to put you on the defense again. And you have the opportunity to say, okay, I didn't know you felt that way. Tell me how you feel about that. And let's see if they explore their feelings. Because if they keep turning it around and they want you to defend yourself, then you want to know where they are with their feelings. Because that will help you understand if they are just trying to continue to control you or lie to you or, you know, where are they with that? Or do they actually have feelings that they've been holding on to for a while and maybe they're not as toxic as they appear because they've been holding on to anger or upset toward you? That would be an interesting twist. Or maybe not. Maybe it's something that's been known and it finally needs to be talked about. But that's when we get into the deeper feelings of how does that make you feel? What When I did that, how did that make you feel? And they may say, God, I was so angry with you. And then you can address that anger. And instead of becoming defensive, you say, wow, I, I definitely feel bad for doing that. I am so sorry. I mean, if that's the direction you want to go with this person. But they also have to be open to coming back about your feelings. And where you say, you know, when you said that, it felt very disrespectful, felt very hurtful. I understand that you were angry, but I was also angry. And see if they acknowledge it. You want to find out if these people are acknowledging your feelings too. If they never acknowledge your feelings, they never validate your feelings, and it's always only about them, then you know what you're dealing with and you probably can't get around that. And again, all these questions are meant to make them face themselves. When you spend too much time defending yourself or getting upset at them, you lose a golden opportunity to force them to dig inward and figure out why they do their own behavior. It could be very revealing to them too. Or if not that, at minimum, they'll be forced to reveal a more vulnerable aspect of themselves, like when you find out who the person is behind an online social profile. If after they've realized they're hurting you and they still do the behavior, then you know what you'll be dealing with forever. All of the things I'm telling you here today are a way to get more closure, more finalizing, so that you know what you're dealing with. The hardest part with uh, some toxic people is that you don't know the final piece of the puzzle. You don't know that they're ever going to show up in a loving way one day or a hurtful way the next. So what we do is keep the door open, hoping they walk through it with a kinder heart next time. And what I'm talking about today is getting closure on who they will be from now on and what is motivating them to be who they are. Because if you ask them, did you mean to hurt me? And they said, yes. And you said, well, then why would you mean to hurt me? The answer is going to be very revealing. And if they say, because you deserve it, you know, they say something hurtful, even more hurtful than that, then you know what you're going to expect from that point on. And that allows them to hear what they said, again, facing themselves. And it gives you the opportunity to realize, wow, so there's really nothing I can do. They just want to hurt me. They're out to get me. That gives you closure. It may not be pleasant closure, but it gives you closure. Then you have the option to close the door on them so they never walk through it again. This is one of your options. I'm not saying it's always possible, but I'm saying 
that um, you take all of this into account so that you don't lock yourself into a struggle that you don't need to have. You don't need to struggle or resist when you know something will never change, when you know a person can never show up in any other way. I got three more action steps. We'll be right back. I'll share them with you. Dealing with toxic people usually happens around the holidays, but any gathering will do. Be right back. Alright, if you're dealing with toxic people in any group or gathering or just one-on-one, you probably want some tools when dealing with them. You probably want some idea on uh, what to do, what to say, and that's what this episode's all about. I'm going to go over number four, um, which is something I stole from my own workbook on how to deal with irrational people. Uh, one of the ways to deal with someone who's being toxic or irrational, this is going to sound a little opposite than what you might expect. But my approach sometimes is to be as agreeable as you can with the person to the point where they have no wind left in their sails. Now, this is going to be very difficult and some people will not want to do this because it it also means compromising yourself to the point that you are not really telling the truth because you are agreeing with things that you don't agree with especially if it's about you. If they say you're a hurtful person and you say, yes, I agree, (laughs) that may not be true to you at all, but how much more energy will they have? How much more fuel will they have for their fire to continue to attack you if you just agree? Again, this is my approach, not always, but sometimes, with people that are just very hard to deal with. I just rather agree with them and take it all, you know, everything you have to say about me, I'm going to agree with. Because what else are they going to do? Where else can they go with it? If you don't defend yourself, they have nothing to work off of. They have no fuel for their fire. They cannot go forward and they just lose steam. They lose uh, momentum. So I like to be agreeable to the point where they have no wind left in their sails. Toxic people are usually very disagreeable in ways that annoy and irritate and even hurt us. Many thrive when the person they're harming in some way doesn't agree or doesn't like their behavior. They wait for that defensive response. Toxic people like to feel like they're in control. A lot of them do. So when you start agreeing with them, even about stuff that they're saying about you, they don't feel like they're holding onto the reins as well as they once believed. They won't feel like they have control over you anymore. That's why I like to use the term, you're probably right. I like to use that response sometimes. So when someone says, you're a complete idiot, you don't know what you're talking about, I might say, you're probably right. And it's just funny to see their face, first of all, uh, but it doesn't give them any more traction. It's almost like I pulled the rug from under their feet, so they tripped on their own words. Now, some toxic people will keep going and say, well, then you need to get out of here, or you need to do something else with your life, or whatever. They might continue, they might be that well-versed in being kind of aggressive and assertive, but a lot of the times I've found that toxic behavior like that, when you agree with it, no matter how bad it is, can be quite squashing to the energy behind it. 
and this can be hard, like I said. It means affirming something about yourself that might not be true. So if they said, you're awful to the kids, yeah, you're probably right. I can't believe you married that person, yeah, you're probably right. How could you make such a stupid decision? Yeah, it was stupid. You don't take yourself seriously, but you answer them as if they were right. This isn't a popular option. <laughs> it's not something I always push, but sometimes some people are what are called polar responders, where they don't want agreement. They want disagreement. That is how they function. That is how they thrive. That is where they get their energy. And as long as you disagree, they're going to keep coming at you. How can you squash the energy? Just agree. Doesn't work all the time, but it's a helpful tool in your tool belt. Number five way to deal with uh, toxic people is you provide accountability for their words and behaviors. But you make sure that you are specific as to why. Why you will make them accountable. For example, let's just say that if you have children and the toxic person told your child to shut up, you said, when you tell my child to shut up, it undermines my authority as a parent, and it disrespects me as my child's mom or dad that can handle this on my own. If you do that again, I won't bring them over anymore. And then you follow it through, depending on their response. If they say, okay, I, I, you know, I won't do it anymore, and they don't, that's great. They've listened to you. They're following your, your rules. They may not like what you said, but they're following your rules. Great. But if they don't, if you find out that they don't, you make them accountable. You don't bring them over anymore. This is probably an extreme example, but this is the idea of providing accountability for words and behaviors. But when you provide accountability, like, if you do that, I'm going to do this, make sure you're specific as to why you're making them accountable. I'm going to do this because when you do that, you are being disrespectful to me. You are not honoring my path. You are not honoring my choices in life. And I don't appreciate that. It's very specific on what it's doing to you. And it gives them an opportunity to evaluate if their behavior is worth doing again. Believe it or not, all of these things I'm sharing with you today are a way to empower the toxic person you show up differently because what we're doing is we're not becoming defensive we're becoming productive we're becoming responsive in a way that gives someone else an opportunity to behave differently and respond in a way that is healthy instead of hurtful i mean don't get me wrong there are toxic people that are just plain hurtful and we probably shouldn't be around them and those are the type that, you know, there's not much you can do for them. They've got a chip on their shoulder or they've got their own repressed anger or past or they're carrying something around that they can't let go of and they're just going to continue showing up that way and sometimes we just have to separate ourselves from those people. But why not try some of these things and see if they work if you want to? I like having these tools. I like having choices instead of having no choice at all. Instead of just saying, well, I just don't want to see him. With my stepfather, he's an abusive alcoholic, and, uh, or at least he used to be. He still drinks a lot, and he's very embarrassing to be around. I don't really want to be around him, but if I am, what can I do? I might tend to go on the agreeable side just to keep conversations short <laughs> and uh, keep the tension and the conflict down. But at the same time, I'd probably be the type of guy that just avoid conversation altogether with him. So again, these are ways to empower the toxic person. You get to keep your power too. 
That's what's lovely about this. Uh, another example about providing accountability for their words and behaviors is saying something like, um, let's just make this scenario. If you're going to continue putting me down for my decisions in life, knowing that it makes me feel bad and even feels like you don't even love me, I'll never call you again. I mean, there's something that you're telling them very specifically because you're going to know if they know that they're making you feel bad because you're going to ask that question. Did you know you're making me feel bad? And then you say, you know, knowing that it makes me feel bad and it feels like you don't even love me, I'll just never call you again if you're going to continue to put me down for my decisions. And if they do, if they put you down one more time, you don't call them again. That's it. You just walk away. I know I make it sound easy, but the accountability is what empowers the toxic person to want to change or not. If you decide not to walk away, if you decide to stay and call again, then you have essentially enabled, I hate to say this, enabled their behavior. You've told them that I make false threats, they aren't real, and if you do it again, I'll leave. Not really, so it's okay to do it again. Don't put yourself in that position. Another example is um, you always want to give them an opportunity to make things right or turn things around. The only way they can make things right or turn things around is if you're serious and you follow through with what accountability you're trying to lay on them. You're essentially putting the ball in their court. If they say, I won't do that anymore, then all is well and you can get along again as long as they follow through. Nothing needs to change. It's all good. It's their choice. Again, it empowers them to make a change or not. But if they do it again, that's when you have to get serious. You have to show them that their behavior is unacceptable. You show them that their behavior is acceptable by not following through with your accountability. You show them that because once you show them that what you promised would happen doesn't, they feel free to be the same way because there's no loss. They've experienced no loss, therefore it's okay to be who I am. All right, the last one. If you must get along with the toxic person without making waves, then my final piece of advice is something that you may have heard me say before. I personally use this almost all the time. <laughs> Not with everyone, but with definitely with toxic people. I treat them as if they were developmentally challenged. And nothing against developmentally challenged people. I think we're all developmentally challenged in some way, shape, or form. But I like to see certain people as more challenged than others, as if they have a medical condition that can't be cured and they can't control. It's looking at someone knowing they can't control who they are. If you accept that that person was born this way, and by you getting upset with them, it would be like getting upset with a blind person who walked in front of your car, causing you to swerve and nearly crash, then you might have a level of acceptance of who they are and how they show up that would not make you go into so much resistance about who they are. In other words, if a blind person stepped in front of your car, would you get out and say, I can't believe you did that, you stupid, your blindness makes you stupid. I mean, you wouldn't say those things because you know they're blind, you know they can't see, and they probably didn't mean to walk out into the road. You actually turn on your compassion. You actually realize, wow, this person can't see? Oh, I'm so glad they didn't get killed. I mean, you still might be adrenalized from the near crash, but uh, you would come to your senses and realize, oh, this person can't see. No wonder. Should I get mad at them? This is where we start questioning our own behavior. Uh, this is the same thing that happened when I was married and 
this, the neighbor kept coming over saying that uh, we're making all this noise and when we were silent and she kept hearing this low low frequency hum and uh, she came in and looked around and she couldn't hear it but she would keep knocking on our door and knocking on our door and my wife was getting madder and madder over the days and weeks and my wife finally yelled at her and she said we have done everything we possibly can for you we have moved everything away from the walls we have turned our lives upside down just to placate you, just to make you feel better. And you keep coming over here blaming us for a noise that we're not making. She was so angry. And the woman just was like, okay, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And the woman came back and gave her a plant. And it was sort of resolved then, but my wife was still angry about it. And I talked to her and I asked, okay, let's just say that she was uh, senile and she was experiencing dementia. And she walked over and she knocked on our door and she said, I hear that noise again. It's driving me crazy. Would you feel as angry toward her? And my wife said, uh, no, that was a reframe that was very helpful to her. So I said, just picture her as a senile person. Again, nothing against senile people, nothing against people with dementia. But I wanted her to access more compassion in a way that was helpful, that wasn't contrived or forced where if she really was senile and had dementia, then how would you view her then? And my wife said, wow, I would, I would have pity on her. I would feel compassion. I'm not saying you should have pity, but maybe if it helps. And when you feel that compassion, how does it change you? How does it change how you respond to someone that approaches you in a way that is unpleasant or undesirable? Because to me, it changes things. If I look at someone who's yelling at me and very angry, and I see them as... Uh, an abused child, I suddenly have a little bit more compassion. It doesn't mean I won't honor myself. I mean, it depends on who it is. Are, is this person ever going to be in my life again? Uh, am I in a bad mood that day? Uh, what's going to happen? Well, how do I turn on compassion here? I'm going to see this person as developmentally challenged, senile, sick in some way, some condition, so that my compassion turns on. And it helps. It's a lot easier than getting upset with them and becoming defensive. And it makes me realize that they are absolutely incapable of changing because that's their condition. That's where they are. It's something I know that can't be helped, even if I wish they were different. I think that can be a healthy approach to get you through anything. And um, as we get near the end of this show and um, thinking about the holidays at this time of year, if you're listening near November, December, thinking that how am I going to get through this family gathering? How am I going to get through these toxic people in my life? I guarantee you this last part, if you really adopt it, can help your perspective. Again, I'm not telling you not to honor yourself. Hey, if you want to do it, go for it. I don't know what kind of trouble it will cause or conflict, but sometimes you just want to get through the dinner and get through the evening. So, okay, Uncle Bill is always a jerk. So why don't I just see him as someone that really can't help it, that really has an issue that he can't uh, change, he's mentally challenged in some way, so that I can have compassion for him, so that when he lays into me, I can look and feel differently toward him and not take it personally, because that's where it goes, right? We take things so personally from invalid sources. You don't have to take anything personally from an invalid source. <laughs> What I mean by that is you don't take financial advice from someone who's broke. You probably won't take um, Olympic training advice from someone who smokes cigarettes and drinks alcohol. 
not putting those down, but typically Olympians don't necessarily do those things. They are in tip-top shape. You just have to consider the source. When someone's putting you down, you got to remember those are the people that are carrying all the negative energy to put people down. They carry it with them. They walk around with it. If there's any type of developmental challenge, it's probably that. They put others down. They are mean toward other people because they have it in them. It's hard to be mean towards someone else if you're not carrying around mean. So consider the source. We'll be right back. I'll close the show and say my final words after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. You know, we talked about toxic people and toxic situations today. And I told you about the mean workbook. Very helpful to figure out exactly what behavior is causing you to feel the way you do when you're around that toxic person. Visit loveandabuse.com and check out the mean workbook today. I also want to thank James and Crystal and Rain. Those are great names for their patron membership, for their support in the patron program. They have joined to support the show and say thank you. And I am saying you are welcome. And I'm also saying thank you, not only personally, but through the private episodes and the workbooks and the video archive, what you can get in the patron program when you join at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Thank you, James and Crystal and Rain. Your support means a lot. And to all patron members, I appreciate you. And there isn't much time left. Uh, this may be the second to last time I mention the accountability group starting up on January 1st, 2019. If you're looking for support and motivational group like no other so that you can accomplish what you're trying to accomplish in your life, visit theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash elite. Fill out the quick application slash survey so that six of you can connect with each other and me to reach success in whatever area of life you're working on. We'll have a group call once every week and you'll be in the hot seat as you share what's going on and we'll all help you level up where you need it most. Everything that I've succeeded in from 2013 on, I've done through an accountability group. I still have those high quality connections today that I can reach out to and ask anything of. I want you to have that too. Visit theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash elite, that's E-L-I-T-E, and read about it today. I'm choosing six people for January 1st, but more groups will be coming soon. So if you can't join on that date, fill it out anyway. I hope to connect with you there. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. All right, I'm going to give you a little personal thought here. Um, I don't know if it's going to be related to what I just talked about, but if I sound a little low energy on this episode, it's probably because I am. My girlfriend and I have been house hunting. We've been looking for a place to move and it can be exhausting. And I just have to say, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. I am so grateful for her because she has done all the work. <laughs> I can look for the houses. I can go with her and the realtor to the house and I can like it or not like it. But she knows so much about house buying and setting up the um, appointments and the appraisals and all this stuff that has to do with the closing and the mortgage and there's just so much I don't know about that I realized how grateful I am to have her in my life. So this is kind of a personal, grateful commentary on having her in my life. 
and um, I'm just appreciative of, of her. So I know she's probably not going to hear this episode because she never listens to my show. <laughs> That's just like, you know, anyone in our life. Do they ever go to our work and watch us work? Probably not. I don't really consider this work, but you get, you get what I mean. This is what I do. Just like I'm not part of what she does day to day. So she can say the same thing like, well, you don't watch what I do. You don't listen to what I do. You're right. But if she ever hears this, I just want to let you know how much I appreciate all the work you're doing. And I love you. And I'm so happy to have you in my life. So thank you, honey. And if I were to relate this to today's episode, I will say this. Some of the tools that I talked about today, I've actually used in my relationship with my girlfriend. Not because I thought she was toxic, but because we're all capable of toxic behavior. If we're all capable of some behavior that makes someone else feel bad. She's done this to me, and I'm sure I've done it to her. I know I have. Where we'll do something or say something with the intention that we want someone to feel bad or feel guilty. Because it gives us, I'm going to speak for myself, this one-up feeling. You know, I won that argument. I won that battle. And having that feeling fills what might be a lack of self-worth in me. So when I do it, it's probably something that I don't feel worthy enough in myself. So I need to have my ego inflated a little bit. So I'll say something that makes her feel bad. And then I'll realize what I did and I'll feel bad and I'll say I'm sorry. And it usually works out. And then I have to do some healing around that because I realized what I did. Uh, But she's done the same thing. And when she's done it, I was fortunate enough to have some of these tools. Again, remember, we're, we're empowering the other person to explore what they're doing, to see if what they're doing is intentional. Did she really intend to hurt me when she said that? Those are the things that I um, used with my significant others just to find out if that was the case, if that was intentional. Does she really mean to hurt me? Does she really mean to make me feel unloved, unwanted? There were times I felt that way. And the answer was always no. She didn't want to make me feel unloved or unwanted. She just had things going on in her that came up and she was trying to process them and she didn't know how to convey them or express them. So we had great conversations. These tools aren't necessarily only for toxic people. They're just for any behavior that makes you feel bad. I look at uh, emotionally abusive behavior as when someone uh, makes you feel bad about yourself. So not only do you feel bad, but you feel bad about yourself, which lowers your self-worth, lowers your self-esteem, makes you feel unlovable, unwanted, insignificant, unimportant, all of these things that make you feel miserable. And when you feel this way, there's, there's not much you can do about it. It's like you don't have enough reserve to pump yourself back up because people you love are doing this to you and you trust those people. You put your faith and trust in them that they're not going to hurt you and that they'll be truthful. So when the words come out that make you feel bad and make you feel bad about yourself, you tend to trust it. And if you trust it, where do you go from there? That's the tough part. That's when emotional abuse is happening and we need to snap out of it. When you start to feel bad about yourself because someone said, you make bad decisions, you're a terrible person. You're too sensitive. You don't understand me. You never give me a break. I mean, they say things that chip away at your character, chip away at who you didn't know you were because they make you think you're that person. 
they make you think of you're a person of low morals or low values. So we have to watch out for emotionally abusive behavior so that it doesn't chip away at who we are. And we can usually tell if it's chipping away at who we are because we can look at the past and remember who we were before these people came into our life. It doesn't always work with family. Sometimes you're with family and you just feel bad the whole time you've been with them. That's, that's sort of a different scenario. It's usually harder to get out of that. Uh, but when you meet someone, whether in a friendship, romantic way, or work, and they're making you feel bad about yourself, did you always feel bad about yourself, or was it only after you met them? And did it happen over time, incrementally, where you felt worse and worse and worse, and you started slowly not even trusting yourself anymore, and just really feeling bad, really feeling down on yourself? Because if that happens, you felt okay before the relationship, but then you felt bad after the relationship, you might have some emotionally abusive behavior going on. So my thought is just to make sure that you always stay aware, you stay conscientious. Uh, when you start feeling bad about yourself and someone else is helping you feel bad about yourself, it's time to snap out of it. It's time to get out of that space um, into a better headspace so you can deal with it, so you can figure out what's going on so that you don't get sucked into misery and unhappiness that you don't deserve. You don't deserve to be unhappy. You deserve to have a fulfilling, satisfying life. And I don't want anyone to bring you down. So just stay aware, stay conscious and conscientious and know that you are worthy. You are an important person. You are very significant and you are definitely lovable. And if you don't believe me, just keep an open mind so that you can step into your power this will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.